When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. Today, we are on episode three of the anime. Woo woo. We are really excited to dive right in. It's starting to heat up in the plot lines of the future and despair arc. So we are we're ready to rock and roll today. Just so you know, this episode will spoil episode three, future and despair arcs of Danganronpa three, the anime. Marin, that is the greatest thing i've ever heard in my life and on that just impeccable note i'm maddie i'm Marin, and i'm caroline and we are the ultra hope girls one two welcome to the dong and rumpa podcast you're on the threshold of an amazing episode showtime I love that pacing. <laughs> Just pacing it up a little, you know. Um, gotta mix it up. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we like to mix yeah. it all together because you know you got it at the festival world. Woo! Wow! You got ah. the limo well friend. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I've been listening to a lot of Michael Jackson "Smooth Criminal." I always do the like the. Uh. <laughs> 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 hi everybody welcome back to another episode of ultra hope girls we're here we're ready and let's dive right on in i have a question right off the bat regarding hina's very early on fake death yeah i was wondering why why yeah yeah it was funny last time when we were recording, um, we were all like winking at each other when we were like grieving about Hina's death. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, I don't really know. And they never really even try to explain who did that. At least not yet. I, yeah, I think it was maybe just to kind of show the seriousness of the situation or maybe even to lull you into a false sense of security when she wakes up. You know, and then they're like, oh, no, look at the great Gozu over there. Oh, also R.I.P. Great Gozu. Great Gozu. I'm, I'm not okay. I weep. Great Gozu did not deserve to be taken out like that. Great Gozu. Oh, I just, I mourn. I mourn. But I literally, <laughs> I'm happy that Hina is still with us, though. I'm very happy about that. I literally have a note about, like, um LMAO at every time we have to pretend we're sad about a character being dead when we know they're actually not <laughs> I know acting yeah. we're yeah. actors first <laughs> I don't I honestly think that whoever the attacker is just did that to mess with Makoto like mm. I that's kind of my only theory on that I haven't that is one of like yes that a theory but I have an alternate theory which is that someone did that to Hina in order to make whoever the attacker is think she's already dead so they don't attack her but they attack someone else oh that is a great theory 
you know, I, I don't know. And I actually like, honestly cannot remember if we ever find out about what happens with Hina. Like I, I genuinely cannot. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah me neither. We'll have to find out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We'll see. Hmm. But yeah. Looking at the great Gozu, like his death, Makoto kind of has a flashback to the great Gozu saying like, you saved countless lives and like, spare me your slump shouldered modesty. And Makoto says, I'm sorry. And I thought that that was an interesting line because Great Gozu was basically saying in that flashback, like, hey, like, don't feel despair. Like, you're a really cool dude. You've saved a lot of lives. And Makoto is like, I'm sorry, which to me makes me wonder if he himself is starting to feel despair, you know, because that's not something that Makoto usually goes through, or at least he rarely shows it on the outside. He's always been that, like, hope embodied and and in this case like why why did he apologize to the great gozu i don't know <laughs> i don't yeah. have all maybe, the answers <laughs> <laughs> maybe makoto is just one of those people who like just says sorry to everything and like and then You're someone will so say like it it's okay like stop apologizing You're like oh, i'm sorry for apologizing <laughs> tag yourself um no but in on a more serious note I don't know if I agree with you, Marin, in that Makoto has never felt despair. I think that part of what made him effective as the ultimate hope in that first killing game was the fact that he felt despair and like faced it using hope rather than just like not feeling any despair at all. Um, Interesting. That makes sense. It's, it was kind of like the, it reminds me of the Harry Potter quote that like, I think it's, I think it was from like Dumbledore or something, something along the lines of, like courage is not the absence of fear it's like courage is when you feel fear and you face it maybe hope is not the absence of despair oh wow maddie <laughs> all right <laughs> starting out <laughs> starting out strong here all right? yeah, <laughs> yeah I, maddie i agree with you i think that mikoto does face despair and i think because we like him as a protagonist because he is like uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. He is like, it's like wait, we, we like him? Just, just... <laughs> all right. I say we as an audience. Okay, all right. Like Makoto as a protagonist <laughs> because he does face that fear and it's something that is attainable. Like we have a choice whether or not we, you know, face our fear or shy away from it. And he is an inspirational figure because he he faces it head on. And I think that, that is why he is also a successful protagonist. Yeah, I want to pull up a line from Munakata. It's uh, much, much later in this episode. But he says, he speaks of hope without knowing true despair. And I thought that that was a really interesting line because I think that the difference between Makoto and even our other protagonist, Hajime, I would argue even Kamaru, is that I think that Makoto has seen despair and I think he's faced it, but I actually agree with Munakata that I don't think he's known it. Makoto has never succumbed to despair. He has mm. always been able to face it and move on. He's never felt it, been so, so under the impression of despair that he's given up. And it was such an interesting line. I wanted to, to know what your guys' thoughts were on it. Mm, so interesting. going off of that, I have a note, th this is like later in the episode, but you know what, they're so short, we can bounce around. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So the part where Munakata and Naegi Makoto is, are in like the intercom room, 
Munakata is like saying to Makoto, like kind of similar things, like you've never experienced real despair. Like you've only experienced despair when there have been rules in the real world, there are no rules. And I think that this brings up a really good point that like, you know, the Hope Speak kids, like it was a very controlled environment of despair. Whereas the real world, part of the most despair inducing parts of like our reality as humans on this earth is like the unpredictability of humans and also the, the capacity of humans to do things that are just so horrible to other people. Um, that is like another level. I mean, like they experience that in the school cause like kids murder other kids like that is obviously horrible but i think the layer that the real world adds on it is the unpredictability so marin to that point i would agree with you i would agree that yes makoto has experienced like sadness obviously and like loss of friends and like all of that but he hasn't experienced what munakata has experienced with like humans in the real world like changing their opinion about like following junko or like you know, like blindly, and, and that that is real despair. And maybe that's where their differences come from. Is is how they're the root of their hope. Yeah, I hear you guys, both of you, definitely. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I agree. Um, if I agree with with you and and with that statement that Munakata says, because I also had kind of a note about that. In in that, like, there is definitely a huge difference between like. Makoto's experience and the students inside the school and how they experience the tragedy versus everyone outside, like watching the news and seeing like the riots in the streets and how they all experience the tragedy. And I'm assuming, you know, Munakata was probably in that group of people, not trapped in a school somewhere. And I do think those experiences are very different. Um, I think they both have despair. I think they both carry real despair with them. I mean, we played through the first game. We we saw everything those kids went through. Like, you know, I don't think we could argue that there, it was, there was no despair. There definitely was. But I think that I'm just not sure which one I feel, which situation I feel like brings more despair. I've never been in either situation like that. You know, hopefully never will be. Because <laughs> like on the one hand, if you're trapped in the school and you, you're being forced to play this killing game, like that's horrible. And there's also the despair of the unknown, like not knowing why you're there, not knowing how you got there, not remembering, you know, not knowing what's going on in the outside world or if your family's still alive, that kind of thing. But there is still maybe a, a glimmer of hope for, oh, maybe we can get out. Maybe things are normal in the real, real world. But then versus if you're on the outside world, seeing everything like seeing the world just like fall apart seeing all these horrible things happening there's kind of more of a certainty of like the world is not okay and like things are not good and there's nowhere we can go that's like fine and there's like it, that kind of despair yeah and so I think Munakata was trying to argue that that kind of despair the being on the outside is worse than what Makoto experienced in the school but I just yeah, I think you could see, I think you could make an argument for either one. So I'm just not, not sure where I stand on that. I think in this series, despair is used in two different ways. That's another thing that it's like, what kind of despair are we talking about? Like, there is the despair that is brought upon the students who witness their friends dying. And then there's sometimes despair used as like, sort of like, almost like a disease, like that, like yeah. people have been succumbed to the side of despair. You know what I mean? So it's like there's two different like worlds that we're living in. And has Makoto felt despair? Yes. <laughs> because of what happened at the school. But he isn't like 
if he had succumbed to despair, he he would be evil, you know, and, and or you know whatever. So it, also, I wanted to bring up. I thought of you know we compare Hina and Makoto a lot. Like there are some definitely some similarities with their characters. There are distinct differences, but there are similarities. And Hina even breaks down and succumbs to despair at one point in the game to the point where she is like willing to sacrifice everybody else like that i would say is succumbing to despair whereas makoto never went through that that's something too so like again despair numero uno why did i say it like that (laughs) (laughs) despair number one yes like yes definitely makoto has felt but despair number two i i think i i may is that marin's opinion yeah I'm with yeah. Marin, but like, Yay! but it's two the twofold despairs. Like you can't like, yeah, yeah. It's a separate thing that we're talking about. I just wanted to yeah. bring that up. Gotcha. Yeah. So Munakata also says at one point, I defy anyone to argue the guidelines for survival were vague. And he's referring to the killing school rules for trigger happy havoc. And I literally like screamed when I was watching this. Like I like pulled up my word doc. I could like copy that quote <laughs> down because that is exactly what I was trying to convey in Trigger Happy Havoc when I said 60-40 on the kids. Because I know we joke about that all the time, but he isn't wrong. The rules to survive were so upfront. And the fact that anyone died is bonkers because the rules to survive were very very like they were there you know like the only time I think in either killing school trip that it wasn't fair or clear how to survive was chapter four of game two you know where there was a time limit and I I get that but like I maybe this is why I have such good memories of Munakata (laughs) (laughs) I I heard him say that and I was like yes that's exactly what I what anyways what I've been trying to convey but yeah that that's my thought agree to disagree (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know I just think like do I agree with him he he says other things that are kind of concerning like um hope doesn't belong to those willing to die it belongs to those willing to kill and I was like oh buddy I'll write that one down too but we don't agree there (laughs) but like (laughs) you know I do think that at times he is more of a realist than any of the other we'll call them leaders in this game um and I sometimes appreciate that so I want to talk about the quote because I wrote it down too um it's interesting how he knows like Munakata is like, we're going to have to go to war to defeat despair, basically. He, he like He's like, physical fighting is what's going to happen. Whereas Makoto is like, trying to take the route of like, you know, therapy for the people involved in game two. And, you know, like, trying to like, diplomatically solve the problems rather than like, use violence. And yeah, just an observation. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And I think that you could make arguments for either side, right? Like I think just just like in real life, you know, you could argue that Makoto's approach is um, more just, um, or you could argue that Munakata's approach is more effective. You know, it's it's like- No, you're so right. I will also say like Tengen walking in the hallway after hearing uh, Makoto's like presentation or whatever, <laughs> presentation. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> on to slide four in my PowerPoint. 
Um, so Ryota's walking in the hallway and he's like, does he really believe that? Like what on earth? And Tangan's like, yeah, he probably knows how insane it sounds too. You know, like he's probably well aware of that. And Tangan agrees with Makoto's morals it seems like at this point he's like yeah like we should talk it out that makes a whole lot more sense he's very clearly against uh Munakata's like aggression right and I think maybe the you know the solution is a combination of both ideas right you know right. I mean we'll I'm sure we will see <laughs> but yeah also the Munakata is just I mean like this is like the episode that solidifies him as like the antagonist you know and and like you know, it, I have a note that just says Munakata said, quote, if I was the killer, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, okay, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like, he's not like, I don't, we don't know if he's the killer, but it's just like the fact he even said that, like, kind of like Byakuya says something very similar in the first game. Like, if I was the killer, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's so, yep. Yeah. I will say I was very, at this point, very sus of Munakata as possibly being um, the traitor. Interesting. Yeah. I wasn't suspicious of him at all because he came off to me as a Byakuya-esque character. Because it was like, it's never the person you most suspect, it's never the person you least suspect. The person who is logically thinking out who would be most likely to kill in what way, i.e. Byakuya, i.e. Kyoko, never the killer. You know what I mean? And so like, I mean, okay, I will say Danganronpa likes to make you say things like that and then they pull them away from you in like the blink of an yeah. eye. <laughs> But I wasn't suspicious of him. I actually was very suspicious of Gekko Gahara in this episode because, like, let's I think felt of that, that too. room. The room yeah. with Hina Makoto and uh, Great Gozu. Hina's got tomato sauce all over her, and Great Gozu's dead. And we all know the morals of Makoto. And so, like, why weren't they more suspicious of Gekko Gahara? Like, Hina's like, someone must have broken in. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I do think it's possible someone could have broken in because I also was suspicious of Gekko Gahara until I thought, well, isn't that too obvious? Mm. Unless right. it's not, I don't know. I mean, yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, it, it, it's like Munakata is like, I feel like whoever, we don't know who's like behind this game yet, but whoever's behind it, I think pick this specific group of people because yes, there's a traitor, but who knows? someone like he wants to kill Makoto so clearly he would want to kill someone too and like that makes it more interesting to watch because it potentially like since it's being broadcast live this person you know might kill Makoto or like and then that might spur Hina to go do something wild and like blah blah blah, blah, blah you know so that's why I didn't think he was the traitor I thought that he was you know a, another traitor in a way but like yeah. not the traitor of the game yeah i have a couple small little notes yeah go for it of things that i noticed that i just was like huh one why are there helicopters shooting at yasuhiro outside <laughs> i don't know who is in those helicopters i don't know why they're firing at yasuhiro he's with future foundation supposedly um poor guy I don't know what I expected <laughs> your next point to be, but it wasn't that. <laughs> and I'm kind of obsessed that it is. Yeah, why didn't that ever cross my mind? I was like, ah, there's Hero. <laughs> well, I think getting shot at. <laughs> they wanted to kill Makoto, right? And so maybe they were thinking he's like associated with Makoto, and so mm. he's also condemned to be put in jail or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like my favorite comedic break 
in this. Oh God, thing. I know. Because if Eudorak is like just sad, I mean, like it is just that the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very tense. And then you like flip outside the hero who's like, "Oh man, I'm hanging off the edge," and it's like, "Are you well, like, sir? Why? What?" But thank God, though. (laughs) (laughs) And then my next note was, is a quote from Kyoko. And um, she says, she's referring to like, you know, the killing game that they're currently in. She says something along the lines of, the fewer of us there are, the easier it will be to find the killer. The rules disadvantage the attacker. It's, It's as if they have no intention of winning. And that quote kind of made me, it feel as if that was evidence that the traitor and the attacker are the same person because I think that the implication there could be maybe the attacker is with the remnants of despair because they want to feel the despair of losing the game it's like if they have no intention of winning like they want to feel the despair of losing it kind of reminded me of Junko and how she died at the beginning of the first game when she was like ah yes the despair of losing and being executed like yeah I don't know I couldn't help but think about it that way that is super interesting. I had not made that connection. So this ha- this is a silly little note I just had that Geku Gahara's hidden action is that she can't turn left, and that reminded me of Zoolander. Oh my god! <gasps> oh my god! Because <laughs> he he like can't turn left. That's his like his like kryptonite is he can't turn left. And I, that I could not stop laughing. I was like, wait. Oh my god. That's that is so, so true. funny. Oh my goodness. I had to do like a full circle in order to turn. That just, oh my god. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we do That's learn amazing. a couple forbidden actions in this one. We've got Gekugahara and then Hina's is being hit with a punch or a kick, which that means that in that first episode that we watched, she could have been killed if Juzo had actually hit her. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting how like some of the forbidden actions are things that like are under your direct control like makoto can't run in the hallways like okay walk but like some of them are passive actions you know like witnessing violence like see someone else be violent near you or whatever or be hit with a punch or kick like that's somebody something someone else does and so it's just kind of i don't know it's interesting that is which would you guys rather have i wouldn't want to have a passive one oh i'd want to have control oh my god are you kidding uh, yeah, I do think having control would be nice over over whether or not you live. Can I also, I, I do want to say, okay, you guys, I can't believe I'm saying this on our podcast, but this speech that Makoto gives over the intercom, I have a note that says, okay, maybe I like Makoto a little bit, geez, because <gasps> how admirable is it that he made the Neo World program to help rehabilitate these people who were lost to despair and who were normal people once, and, like, he wants them to to exist. Like, how awesome is that? Like, I wish that everyone was that good, you know? And he is just yes. good, but, like, I still d- despise him and think he's and so And you're going to get married to no, him. Yes. No, no. Oh. oh my goodness, oh. I can Stop hear this. the wedding no. bell. <laughs> 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 oh. That's oh so real though. But yeah, I agree. I, just, though, like, yeah. I see what you guys were saying about how like he does get better. I mean, yes, you're right. You're right. I mean, he, he grows up so much in this. I also love that he shares his weakness 
during that speech, I think that that speaks volumes. And even uh, Munakata says that. He's like, wow, like that was pretty elegant. But the best part about that speech is as soon as he shares his like his hidden uh, weakness, Kyoko has this little smile that is just yes. so knowing and like almost loving, you know, like, yes, that's him. you know, like that's the the person that I love, whether you think romantically or platonically is up to you. But like she loves him in one way or another. And it's just, oh, warmed my heart. Yes, I noticed that, too. Oh, I love that. What are our first impressions of Ryota? Um, I didn't really love him at the start. I feel like we don't know a ton about him and about his talent, you know, but he was he's in the despair arc as well, um, looking different, you know. Um, but I I don't know. I feel like I didn't get a good first impression of him. He doesn't seem to take on a ton for himself in terms of helping the group at the start, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, he so I'm trying to think we don't know a lot about him but just based on his sprite like he has like under eye bags for days and he's so pale that I just I'm I'm like worried and concerned for his like mental stability like honestly he just looks like someone who just like needs therapy and needs some help I'm serious he just looks I like know, he's... but like eye bags for days <laughs> was really good he's broken up I don't know what's going on he just it's like he's pathetic but it's like, I almost feel bad for him because I feel like it's something that he can't control. I hear that. Yeah. I also kind of got like almost a, like, I hate to use this word because it sounds so derogatory, but like, I mean it in just like a, just an adjective, you know, like emotionally, like he's, he seems like a pathetic person. I don't know if, if that makes sense of me, like the way I'm using that word, but like my first impression of him was kind of just like, I think I was a little suspicious of him, honestly, because he just kind of came out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden he's kind of like, he seems like he's coming along with like Makoto and Kyoko. And I'm like, where did you come from? Like, who are you? You know, apparently he did go to Hope's Peak. So we'll learn about him more about him, I'm sure. But um, yeah, like I think this episode, he started to get my attention a little bit more because I he was just like there with Kyoko and Tangan. And I was like, and he just seems like very scared of everything and every, you know, and I was just kind of like, What's he here for? I was just about to say one pro of having Ryota with Kyoko and Tangan is they, to me, seem like two of the most intellectually capable people in this group. And he is there. And while sometimes he comes off like across as annoying, he is pulling their thoughts from out of them by acting very like scared and anxious throughout like he is getting them to speak what they would have potentially kept to themselves and so I do appreciate him in that group of three at least interesting yeah my only other note I have left is about uh Seiko same that's my last note that's it and and that trio I mean I just have that like we don't we don't know a lot about her yet and I, I'm excited to learn more because like there, she, she, it just seems like she is a very hurt person who has been like hurt. Like that's how I, I, I view her. Like she's lashing out because she's angry or hurt. I also think it's very interesting that she wears a mask over her braces. I don't know if that's something, I don't know if anyone did research on like that choice. If that's like something that's, I don't know, but anyway, maybe I'll do research for next time. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was really interesting and like clearly like her and, and the other two, the um, confectioner and the blacksmith have like a conversation about like them both betraying or like being the traitor and they like don't trust each other. So 
I'm curious as to what is going on in that department. Yeah. Also, she hulks out on drugs. She hulks <laughs> out. Yes. I like my only really note about her is that like I was just like wow like go off girl you know like I just powerful women I respect you know um (laughs) like there's a moment when she like catches the knife in her teeth and like breaks it with her mouth I'm like oh my god like she's not someone I'd want to be messing with (laughs) so my last note that I had for this future episode is is Makoto dead because the last line we hear, we see Munakata like swinging his sword and he says, how unfortunate, too bad this wasn't a classroom trial, which is, okay, Munakata had a lot of zingers. You, you can dislike him, <laughs> but this episode was his episode. He claimed this episode as his own. And like that to me means that Makoto is dead because he's trying to kill him and he's like, womp, womp too bad there weren't rules like ha 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 so I wanted to know like did you guys think that he was dead after this or I I would say no I didn't think that just because he's the protagonist (laughs) yeah Um, I didn't either but it did feel like that was the intention but I was kind of like meh he's still alive (laughs) (laughs) someday Munakata you got it buddy just kidding I don't want Makoto to die I <laughs> when, when Munakata's trying to kill Makoto, you got this, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you. I yeah. believe. I'm like Juzo in this. All right, everybody. We want to know what do you think of this future arc episode? You got to leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm and we will have your voice messages featured at our season finale. As always, we love hearing your voices and we love hearing your comments on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're Ultra Hope Curls podcast everywhere. If you want to start a conversation, we are on there. We are ready to chat with you. And if you want more Ultra Hope Girls content, we do have a Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast that way, the lowest tier is just $2 a month, and we really, really appreciate it. It's a great way to help out the podcast. And if you're unable to support us on Patreon, leave us a five-star review and tell your friends. We appreciate it so much, and it's a great way to to spread the love of Danganronpa to the world. And what better to spread than Danganronpa? Love it. All right, everybody. We'll be right back after the break. I, I would like to um, motion this episode to be changed, the title, to This is Sapphic. It's so gay. This is the gayest <laughs> episode I've ever seen. <laughs> That's actually my so, third line is, okay, so Mahiru is gay, right? <laughs> Can we talk about why Fuyuhiko's little sister, uh, Natsumi, looks exactly like Ryota? Did anyone else think that? The character oh, design is very similar. That. Like huh. the the circles on the cheeks and yeah, like but same shade of hair, only same circles on the cheeks. Despair, Ryota, not future yes. Ryota. Maybe the colors drained out of future Ryota's cheeks because he's ill. I don't. He's <laughs> <laughs> he needs therapy. Yeah. <laughs> he, needs, he needs therapy. I actually maybe this is an unpopular opinion. I'm I'm very curious to hear you guys' thoughts, but I really liked Natsumi is that weird like I don't know why like I I liked her a lot as a character and I knew she was gonna die we all know you know because from what happens in the second game but like I was still sad about it (laughs) yeah yeah 
she reminds me of Fiu Hiko. I mean, the, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I think it's easy right. for us to look at a female character acting the way Fiu Hiko does and be like, oh God, she's so bossy or she's so whatever. But it's like, she, I, I like you step back and you think he acts the same way. They're from the same family. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Maddie. I really like her. Yeah. I really like her too. I honestly wrote as a question, like whose side are we on in the Sato Natsumi like fight? Because Natsumi, okay, she she's abrasive, you know, she's like, I'm going to get to that other side. I have goals. I'm going to be the ultimate little sister. And like, yes, she makes like verbal threats of like, well, maybe if someone were to like disappear from that side, like I could get in, there'd be a spot. But that's like all she says, like she, you know, like, I feel like Sato went way, way overboard. And I know she commits murder. So like, obviously she went overboard, but even getting so like visibly upset in class over some words that I would argue like Natsumi never meant because like we see that little scene of Fuyuhiko talking to Peko and he's like, oh yeah, you know, like she's a little bit crazy. Like we're keeping an eye on her, you know? So like his family knew that something was up and wasn't going to let anything happen. And I just, yeah, I wanted to know your guys' thoughts on like the fight in general. I think that, you know, Sato doesn't know the Kuzurio like family and what, how they're handling it. She only knows the side of like, this person is being verbally abusive to my friend and to me. I mean, like, I will say like, I like Natsumi, but like, I'm not defending her words. She was cruel. I mean, she said some things that were not nice. And when you're like a freshman in high school, like that hits different, you know, and, and like you're insecure and you're fragile. And clearly Sato is, I don't know if her and Mahiru were like currently in a relationship, but there are clearly vibes going on that I don't know if they completely understand just because they're so young. And she loves Mahiru. Like I, I would argue that I, I think she is in love with Mahiru. And when someone says something like that about the person that you care about the most and like love the most, like put yourself in her shoes. I'm not saying murder, but like for <laughs> defending like uh, Mahiru in that situation, like if you were in her shoes, like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, so, okay. So I'm saying this coming from a place of I'm not a freshman in high school. So I will recognize that, you know, I've had life experiences that have you know, maybe emotionally matured me to a point that I would make a different decision now than then. But, you know, Natsumi is a bully, I would say, to Mahiru and Sato, you know. Um, but to face a bully, one, murder, I know, like, that's not the right move. But let's say even when she's, like, going to, like, hit her, when Sato is going to hit Natsumi, that's not the way to deal with a bully, you know, like that does nothing. That only invites more action. You're increasing the layer of fighting, uh, what is it, conflict escalating at that point. And so like, yes, I know that they are younger. And so they might not have as much experience with conflict resolution. But also like, I feel like she never really took a lot of action to deescalate the conflict versus Mahiru, who really, really tries to deescalate the conflict every time you know shout out to my hero by the way legend honestly yeah she's such a queen in this anime oh my yeah. god i love her character i i like honestly i i unapologetically would probably put her in a or s tier based on yeah. the anime characterization of my hero yeah. um yeah i i hear you i i i don't necessarily agree on like quite honestly but also people are different that's the other thing is like sato could have a short temper just like natsumi and 
you know i mean they butt heads and that's again not mur the murder or the <laughs> physical violence but i want to emphasize that but yeah that's you know the way I initially interpreted it, I would definitely agree with Marin and that like, you know, oh my gosh, Sato took it way too far. You know, like, yes, Natsumi is a bully to Mahiru and yes, Sato, want Sato wants to protect her friend and everything. Um, but that is like, so like just going so far of even like when Sato says like, oh, like she was going to kill you, Mahiru. I was like, no, like what makes you think that, you know, that to me was just like took it way too far however Caroline I think I like I think I in, on second thought like agree with you in that Sato is I, I don't think I saw it this way at first but I do think Sato is in love with my hero now that you point that out I'm like oh yeah yeah okay I see it <laughs> I guess I just didn't see it the first time but like Yes, I agree with that. And I think if that is the case, if she is, you know, she has feelings for Mahiru, it's not just like, you know, it goes beyond friendship, maybe a little bit. I think that does add another layer of, you know, protectiveness and of maybe anxiety or fear, you know, about someone she loves and cares about. And absolutely, I don't think it was right for her to kill Natsumi. You know, I think I feel like we're all kind of on that same page. <laughs> Murder is wrong. Do we all agree? Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I think it was really powerful what you said, Caroline, about, you know, put, put yourself in her shoes, you know, think about someone you would deeply, deeply care about and think about someone else, you know, threatening them. Like that probably wouldn't feel good. Yeah. I also want to just acknowledge, and I know this is a little bit of a different situation, but like Peko and Fuyuhiko, Peko killed Mahiru for free Fuyuhiko. I don't, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just. But I said that was wrong too. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, but I'm just saying like, you know, and we, we love Peko. The three of us love Peko and, and like, you know what I mean? So I just, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there as like another example of like someone who I, you know, most, I, I think they canonically are, you know, in love with each other, even though maybe for me personally, I think I want Pekka to be gay, but, um, <laughs> but like I, yeah, just like another example of like that, like love for somebody and wanting to protect them taking over and like causing that to occur. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Just throwing definitely. that out as an yeah. example. I had another little note. Um, that's just like something I noticed. Um, when Natsumi Kuzuryu appears for the first time in this episode, the 8-bit music from Twilight Syndrome Murder Case from the second game starts playing. And I was like, oh, I recognize that music. That's that's the music that played in Twilight Syndrome Murder Case, like the second she appears. And I'm just like, it's just like another way of, I feel like the, the, the show giving us a little nudge and being like, hey, look at this. You're getting to see what happened here. Like, yeah, it was just cool to me. <laughs> yeah. So... About Natsumi, I wanted to know, why do you think she was trying to be scouted as the ultimate little sister? Because I look at Natsumi and I see someone who is very driven on her own. You know, she's looking to be an equal to her brother by trying to be a little sister. Like she's looking for an ultimate talent that is based on a relation to someone else, which means that by definition, she still wouldn't be on the same level. She would only be that because of someone else. And I'm like, girl, aim higher. Like you are your own person who is very talented. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. 
it, it could be a situation where she's kind of settling for another option because her brother is already the ultimate gangster. So it's like, she can't be that. So like the Kuzurio name is like what's important. And so by saying she's the ultimate little sister, she's acknowledging that name and the lineage that she comes from as like a, like, I don't know, part of that. That's the only thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I have anything to contribute you have a good on point, that. Marin. Like that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Definitely. I got the vibe that Natsumi really, really cares about Fuyuhiko as her brother, and um, like wants to be close to him, and like you know wants to be in in classes with him, maybe, and you know, maybe they have like a really good like sibling relationship, which is like awesome. I support healthy sibling relationships, and I I definitely got the vibe of admiration for him from her and wanting to be like him which is funny because in the second dog and rampa game fuyuhiko at some point talks about how he feels his little sister was more of a yakuza than he was and that he wanted to be more like her so it's just like yeah it's, it's interesting to me but and then on another note about natsumi um i just noted like that in this episode i feel like you know we know she dies. We knew it was coming, you know, but we don't get to see, I felt like we did not get to see any grief for her in this episode. You know, like there's the moment when Fuyuhiko is like pulling back the, the sheet over her body to like identify her. And there's a moment when Peko is like punching a wall and we see her fist bleeding and that's it. Like, you know, and those are two very small snippets of like their pain, but we don't, get really anything else and that was just kind of interesting to me like I when I first started watching this I was definitely expected to see more grief but I think that on second thought we also like we see Fuyuhiko grieve for his sister in the second game so much and so that made me think like ah okay you know maybe we just didn't really need to see that because we already have which is like uh, it's so sad but like that's just something I noticed. That's a good point. I think this episode is is more about Mahiru and um, Sato. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that's yeah. what we get from from that um, is their relationship. Speaking of Mahiru, her ultimate talent, ultimate photographer. I mentioned in the second game that I felt like of all of the talents, hers is the least expressed or appreciated you know in their character introductions in the second game it's like she takes photos and it's like uh, and like <laughs> don't we all like yeah <laughs> but it's super interesting uh Mahiru has a line in this anime which I didn't write down the exact line but it's basically like I just take pictures you know of anything and it's very interesting to me that Mahiru herself doesn't think her talent means anything. And part of me wonders if that lends itself into how she presents in the second game. You know, like maybe that is the explanation for why she's not very upfront about her talent is because she doesn't care about it. That's a good point. Like, like she is not somebody who like was expecting to get into Hope Speak Academy, like that kind of thing. Like it was a complete shock. And maybe that's why she's so humble and, and like willing to like hang out with the reserve chorus people and like not isn't elitist just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like I stand her in this. I mean, like, God, I wish she was this good in the game. I feel like the game gypped her a lot. Mm -hmm. I agree. 
But another thing that that like comes to mind with Mahiru and Sato's relationship is it's like kind of a trope in like lesbian media that like it, like the one person in the relationship will kill the other's like husband or like something like that. Like that's like an old, old trope. So in the, that kind of comes to mind with this. You know what I mean? Like it's like it, usually like the husband is like abusive or like there's something wrong. Like they don't want to be in that relationship, you know, and, and that's why the, the partner does that. And so it's just kind of interesting that this shows up here too, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know why I know that? <laughs> cut that, <Well>. cut that. <laughs> I know that because I'm gay. Uh, what? You? I read a lot of gay books when I was in, like high school. <laughs> You're what? I know. Oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Anyway, okay. Enough about Sato. So we find out that Juzo is the head of security for Hope's Peak, and he and Chiza are buddies, you know, they're talking, all that stuff. But what we learn that we didn't really know is that Juzo is kind of the reason that Hajime turns evil. Hajime yes. is like, I feel hopeful, Chiaki and I are bestest buds, winky face, and now like this man is telling me that I'm like an empty beer bottle compared to a diamond <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh like Juso really needs to chill yeah and we know that that was the influencing factor I don't know yeah I agree with that I had a note about that as well and that made me like so that scene where Juso is like kicking Hajime on the ground literally and calling him trash like that made me so angry so Juzo also says to Hajime that like everyone is replaceable and those desks will be filled. And like that is like a lot of institutions think of human beings that way. That is just like and that like really made it obvious. Like we think that in, you know, I don't like I, the three of us had a relatively positive school experience and like, you know, we were taught to be individuals and to pursue what we we liked and like that we're all unique. But like, you know, I mean in this institution it's it's like the opposite of that you know and that is real for a lot of people yeah, yeah. you can also really see that this conversation like lasts with Hajime because he says later in his conversation with Chiaki he says that kind of referencing that empty beer bottle thing he says that you can fill an empty bottle like even if you can't make it something else you can fill an empty bottle and that is a reference to him being like flooded with the talent that they put into him you know and oh it just broke my heart like I feel like when I first saw Juzo I was like normal stereotypical aggressive character you know like he probably isn't super influential to the story which is probably me stereotyping a little bit and bad because clearly this man is the reason that Izuru Kamakura came into existence or one of the men I won't put all the blame on him but like one of the main reasons and I was like oh my goodness like that's not what I was expecting <laughs> yeah 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 a connection with that line and then the future arc episode is they're talking about Makoto's words and how they're either hollow or there's something behind them. And that's like kind of a connection there with the, this line as well. Yeah. Like um, I think Makoto says like, if even if the words are hollow, you can fill them in later or something like that. And yeah, man. Oh, that's so um, true. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought, so in this scene where like Juso is like, beaten up Hajime and you know Hajime's trying to stand up to him which good for Hajime I thought that the moment when Chisa steps in front of Hajime to stop him from getting like 
punched like really hard. I thought that was a powerful moment. Um, I had a lot of respect for her in this scene because we clearly see that she and Juso like seem to be friends. Like they have some kind of connection. And, you know, Hajime is not even one of her students. So she is standing up for a reserve course student who's not even one of her students, you know, facing off with one of her friends and saying like, hey, don't do that. That's wrong. And yeah, I, I had mad respect for her in that moment. That's just another little little thought I had. Okay, so in the scene where Chiaki and Hajime are talking, you know, this is a quote that's kind of tossed around a lot in the episode, but it's, there's more to life than just talent. And this made me kind of think about, like, you know, he asks her, would you still like playing video games even if you were, you lost every time? And she says, well, like, yeah, yeah, I would, because, like, you know, it's it's like a good time and it's fun. And that's the point of video games. And I think that this has always been an issue but it's like especially with the age of the internet and this like this show of like you know social media like perfectionism where like we only show the best of the best things um we like only show the things that we're good at like i have a note here where i love doing things i'm not good at there are hobbies that i have where i know i am not talented at said hobby but i do it because it's fun and i enjoy it and it's not something that i ever want to get better at like drawing is a great example i'm not a great art visual artist but i love to doodle and to draw because it brings me joy and like that's a message that needs to be passed is like there's more to life than being good at something if you enjoy it you should do it comparison is the thief of joy you should not be looking at like the people who are like the you know the best artists in the entire world and comparing you know your doodles to that because like they're that's both people bring get joy from the thing oh my gosh i could just mm, yes comparison is the thief of joy <laughs> you really whipped that one out on us like yeah oh my god mm, very nice really i also have a note about the scene with hajime Chiaki at the, towards the end of this episode and um, to me, my note is just that that scene was very sad to me and it felt like, you know, a goodbye between Hajime and Chiaki. And, you know, obviously he says like, oh, goodbye, like, see you later. And it's just like casual. But we as viewers, I feel like we know there's something, you know, that that felt like a goodbye to me because he we can see his resolution at this point to join the Kamakura project and we know what's coming like once he does that he becomes Izuru and he's like not really himself anymore and it's almost like kind of like a I think we talked about this at the end of um the second game like it's kind of like a form of death for Hajime like he becomes Izuru and he is a completely different person and it's just like so it, it was just like that scene was like like a goodbye like it felt like you know Hajime was going to like die and it was just so sad to me i was like oh my god i'm in my feels right now and like chiaki has no idea hajime i don't even think has any idea the extent of what he's about to go through it's just heartbreaking yeah all right so last episode we talked about we were wondering if tangan was supportive of hajime joining the project or not and i just wanted to note really quickly that we do find out in this episode that he is against Hajime joining the pro the project and so I did want to note that because like Kizakura is like I don't think this is a good idea like artificial talent isn't gonna do any good and Tengen's like yeah you're right so just wanted to note that 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 is how it is supposed to be interpreted sure. yeah there you go yeah. 
All right. So for today's episode, for our modified Bedwed Behead segment, we are going to be assigning three prompts to three characters. And um, these prompts we're coming up with ourselves. We're about to announce them to each other in a moment. But the characters we will be going through today are Natsumi, Sato, and Great Gozu. Um, rest in peace, buddy. Love him. Um, yeah, the three that that died in these couple of episodes. Yeah, and so my prompt is who would you want to spend a day at sea on a fishing boat with? So mine is who would you want to be a shepherd with? So like raise sheep and travel with them. Oh my god! Okay, ironically mine is also travel related. Um, It's who would you want to backpack through Europe with? Oh my god. Oh wow. Okay. All right, so I have my answer. I would... Um, so I think I would go fishing with Sato because not going to lie, out of these three, Sato is probably my least favorite. I'm not a huge fan of her, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know why. I just like, yeah, I- I'm sorry. Caroline looks really sad. I don't know. Like, she's just not my fave. I... The saddest face I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so a fishing, fishing is just like, that's kind of a one day thing. So like, you know, oh, well. I would um, I would go backpacking through Europe with Natsumi. I feel like she'd be a really interesting person to travel with. She probably has, like, some cool connections around the globe because, you know, Kuzuryu clan, like, she's she's probably got some connections, maybe, like, you know, some interesting people or whatever. And, yeah, I, I think she's an interesting person. I think we'd have some good conversations and, like, it'd just be, like, you know, we'd have like a girl's night out every now and then in like a foreign city and just have like a really good time. Um, (laughs) And then I would be a shepherd with the honorable, the great, great Gozu. Um, I would absolutely, you know, I would be a shepherd. I would like leave my career and become a shepherd for life with great Gozu because he is just he's just amazing um I just love him and he would be so like good and wise and like you know would teach me all the things I need to know about sheep and we just live like a very peaceful life like in the mountains somewhere and we like meditate together and it would just be awesome you know like (laughs) I don't know what is stranger my relationship with Munakata or your relationship with Great Gozu I I go back and forth in my head every day (laughs) but I think Great Gozu is just great you can't argue with that that's true that is in his name in his name (laughs) all right that's fair I would literally die for Great Gozu Okay, so uh, spending a day at sea on a fishing boat, I would do that with Great Gozu. I can just see him in his element wearing like a little like sailor hat, like yelling commands at the boat. I feel like he would just make a day of it. It would be great. I also kind of for the same reasons as Maddie feel like I connect with him the least, like you said with Sato. So I know I'm sorry. Great Gozu is good in my book. I'm just kidding. He's great. Not great? Uh, he's great He's Gozu. good Gozu. <laughs> Is the okay gozu <laughs> the mediocre gozu <laughs> um for be a shepherd with i would be a shepherd with natsumi because i feel like natsumi would like threaten the sheep and they would like get in line like it would be like her secret <laughs> ultimate talent she is the ultimate shepherd you heard it here first headcanon that i now have and then <laughs> she- sheep need a gentle hand 
I don't know. I just think she might have a secret talent for it. And then I would backpack through Europe with uh, Sato. Did I get that right? Am I remembering the right way? Yeah, yes. yes. Okay. Um, yeah. You, when you're backpacking through Europe, especially as a young woman, unfortunately, um, it's not always safe. And I feel like of anyone who could defend me, Sato's the one to do it. She risked her life for Mahiru. And I don't know. I just feel like she she would be a great person to go with. You know, of everyone who can protect you, I feel like Sato is determined to protect you the most. And and yeah, you got to have that by your side. All right. So I have, I like this amended bed web ahead because we always have completely different responses. So right. <laughs> I would go on a fishing boat with Natsumi for the same reasons that Marin wanted to shepherd with her. Um, I think that on sea, you have to have a no nonsense attitude and tell people like it is because the ocean dangerous. And I think she would do the job really, really well. And I think it would be super fun. So that's why I picked Natsumi for fishing on a boat. I would shepherd with great Gozu. I think he and I would be great business partners. I think he is somebody who is reliable and he would lay a gentle hand on the sheep and guide them very well. And I think we would have a lot to just chat about as, as like coworkers, you know, in that scenario. Um, yeah. And then, and also there's like a lot of risk with like wolves with sheep and like, and like predators. And I think he could just fight them all off. And then my last is Sato with backpacking in Europe. Um, yeah, uh, we would backpack through Europe. We'd be lesbian lovers. It would be like a nice French movie. We would, you know, be be like traveling the world as young people and it would be rad and I would, it would be really fun. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think Thank it you. would be rad for you. <laughs> rad for me. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Ready to wrap, wrap a dang dang. Yeah. Ring-a-dang-dang. How would you tend to your sheep? Want to talk with the Ultra Hope Girls about all of our answers? Join our Discord for as little as $5 a month. You can also connect with us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Amino, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere. Just look us up. We are Ultra Hope Girls Podcast on most platforms, and we would love to hear from you. Make sure you leave us a voice message on Anchor for the chance to be featured in a future episode, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.